That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, we are back with another episode of Same Old Song. Here we are, your hosts, uh, Jacob Smith and Aaron Zimmerman. And uh, we are now, um, uh, whether you're in New York or in Waco, Texas, we are in uh, the full gear now and moving towards the fall. And so uh, fall programming is starting. Ours starts literally next week and on the 15th. And so if you're around, um, also if you're looking for a great Sunday school curriculum, I want to make a plug for Storymakers NYC. Um, it's an amazing, amazing Sunday school program, and you can um, get it at the Mockingbird uh, website, or you can go to storymakersnyc.com. Yeah, and um, I, uh, I want to say that if you're in Waco, Texas, I'll just make a plug, plug for St. Albans where um, we just have Jolly Ranchers at the mm. Welcome Station. Uh, make sure you mm. come uh, early because everybody takes the good flavors and just leaves the grape mm. ones at the end. Sour apple. Those are the only ones ever left. So I hate it. That's why I don't go to your church, Aaron. I know. No, I'm just kidding. Man, we got to up our bribes. <laughs> we got to get more people in. Gospel mm. just isn't enough. Just not cutting it. Mm. So, well, we officially start off next week, September 15th. But um, I do want to say that this is uh, these are uh, some exciting readings we have. And uh, once again, the collect for the day helps us understand uh, what these passages are all about. Um uh, we pray on that Sunday to trust God with all of our hearts, for he always resists the proud who confide in their own strength. And so you never forsake those who make their boast of your mercy. Amen. And, uh, and, this, is, and this is exactly what Jeremiah is trying to do in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 11, is get the people to turn to God's mercy. And one of the things I love about Jeremiah is... Um, it's tough to find gospel, like in some of these short passages of the lectionary, it's really tough to find um, um, the gospel in it. You know, you've got to really work hard or maybe point it to another reading. But, but the, one of the great things of which you see Jeremiah doing in his vocation as a preacher is that he uses illustrations that are very, very common to the people. And so today's reading, you see he uses a potter's house. And, you know, and as a preacher, uh, we can't stress enough here at the same old song on how important the illustration is, because the illustration is what gives flesh to, uh, to the sermon itself. It makes it relatable to everybody's life. Yeah, and for us today, you know, the Potter's House is just the gigantic megachurch that Bishop T.D. Jakes is running uh, <laughs> in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But, uh, you know, back then, there's no Tupperware, there's no Ziploc bags. If you have something you need to store at your house... Uh, you're not using your uh, your mason jar. I mean, your one option here is is a is a pot, a clay pot, and so mm-hmm. that was sort of the universal thing. And so everybody, every village would have had a potter's house. It would have known somebody who's a potter. So it's it's a very it, to us it sounds like a very Bible-y kind of old timey illustration, but it's this this would be very quote unquote relevant 
to uh, to mm. Jeremiah's uh, audience here. So, yeah, as we as we turn now into the readings for September eighth, uh, we're going to be going through Jeremiah eighteen. We're going to take a look at uh, Philemon. The whole book. Everybody who comes to church on this Sunday will have read an entire book of the Bible after hearing Philemon. Um, and then we turn to, to Luke 14 as we continue through the gospel. So, mm. with Jeremiah 18, he's continuing, Jeremiah's continuing his project to like, to try to warn people, to wake them up. And he uses this illustration of a potter. Um, yeah. Because God says, go to the potter's house and I'll let you hear. So, Jeremiah's standing there yeah. looking at this potter at a wheel. Uh, and again, the technology is the same today. Of course, the wheels today might be electric powered instead of foot powered. But it's the same idea. You get a wheel spinning and you put clay in the middle of it. Now, the thing, uh, I took a lot of art classes in high school, uh, and we and I did a lot of pottery, and the thing, when you put that lump of clay down, you get it as close to the middle as you can, but it's never mm. gonna be perfectly centered, and the first thing you have to do is center that lump of clay, and, so you, and to do that, you have to kind of brace yourself and apply a pretty good deal of force to the clay so that your hand doesn't move, and the, it pushes the clay to be, perfectly centered because if it's not centered you're going to get some sort of wonky thing that'll fall apart and won't work so uh god is saying through jeremiah look i you're not you're not yielding to my hand i'm trying to center you and trying to get you so you can be useful uh but you're resisting me and and so his word here is that i will uh i'll rework you into another vessel i'll sort of scrape the wheel and and plop you back down and and so um but it's an invitation to see themselves in proper relation to god you know we talked last week a lot about the way of the self versus the way of trusting not in yourself but in god and um to be a lump of clay is this perfect image of kind of passive like you have no power uh you're not reaching for anything you're completely at the mercy of the potter and if you just stop working and stop striving and just sit there and let the potter do his work, you will, mm. good things will come of that. But uh, instead, we, we resist and whatever. So this, this is the message. It's, it's a way of saying, again, like last week, trust God, not yourselves. But the people are resistant to hearing it. And so Jeremiah continues the message that he has throughout the book. If you resist, look, you know, something, something's going to happen. So there's this invitation to, mm. to respond. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that, you know, not only potters were everywhere and potters' houses were everywhere, but um, this is, uh, you know, potters were also places where idols were made and things like that. And um, these things that were dead and empty. And what uh, really God is, is saying here is, is that I am the one doing the forming here, you know, and uh, I am the one who brings up nations. I'm the one who brings down nations. Uh, this is really... Um, this is really an issue kind of, of of what God does, and you're absolutely right. The best thing is to recognize that you're just the lump on the middle and uh, and uh, that, that God is actually doing something wonderful and forming you into his image. The problem is, is that we want to take control, which is just the most ridiculous thing in the world. And, and I think this, to me, is a wonderful... Actually, it's a, there's, there's two things I think you could say about this. Well, obviously, there's a lot more. The, the depths of Scripture are inexhaustible, but... One thing is it, I think it's a good picture possibly of sanctification. Uh, you know, so many mm. of us see sanctification as something for us to do. Like, how is your walk with the Lord? And how are you pursuing Jesus? Mm. And uh, the picture of 
right discipleship here from Jeremiah is just be that lump, sit in the middle, and let God do His work on you. Um, mm-hmm. Let because you're you're on that wheel, but you're out of center. You're off center. So God's hand on you is going to be the thing that centers you. So, anyways, the other thing I think that this points to uh, that we have as Christians is um, this idea of clay. I think is really significant because it's it's earth. Um, and we know from Genesis, we're made from dust, and to dust we will return. Um, Adam, the first man, the name Adam, Adam, just means earth. Um, and so uh, we know uh, here that we will not be good clay. Jake's not good clay. Mm. He's full of air pockets. He's, uh, he's off-center. I'm not great clay. Um, I got all kinds of things going on. Um, that I want to be in charge and not let God be in charge. I want to do it my own way. So, you know, the the mistake in Jeremiah would be to believe that any of us could actually follow this rule because Israel doesn't follow it. They do end up going to exile. We don't follow the rule. So the mercy here is that ultimately God will send Jesus Christ in the incarnation to become clay. I mean, if Adam mm. is clay, Adam is earth, um, people are earth, we're made from earth, where Jesus Christ takes on human flesh, meaning he becomes clay for us. And of course, he he becomes the clay in the potter's hand, and he, he uh, takes that all the way to the cross. And so, I think that's where you can begin to point to the gospel, is Jesus Christ, um, who becomes, he takes on flesh and becomes one of us to live and die as one of us. Yeah, and then ultimately, too, as Paul says, that, uh, that uh, in 2 Corinthians, he says, we have these, this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And, you know, the idea is, is that here, I mean, God reveals his glory through us broken pots that he's molding and fashioning into his image. Um, so, um, the good news of that is, is that, you know, in, in this age, I think the gospel is hid. The mystery of the gospel is hid. You're right. And it's hid in the incarnation of Jesus, who became a pot for our sake. And that gospel is hid uh, through us and through our lives as uh, we proclaim and herald it in the midst of our brokenness. Mm-hmm. Charles of Clay, mm. also one of the best late 90s uh, Christian mm. contemporary artists. And I think we're the lead mm. guys now in Episcopalian, so... Yeah. Go team Episcopal. <laughs> yeah, so then we come to the, uh, we're going to read an entire book now. Uh, Philemon, chapter 1, verses, 20, uh, verses 1 through 21. That is the entire letter. And uh, what is this letter about? And, you know, so oftentimes people misunderstand what, um, kind of what's going on here. We equate slavery in the Roman age with slavery in the 1800s in the United States, which is terrible. Uh, what, but what is going on here? Yeah, you know, actually, interestingly, there uh, this week as we're recording, but probably going forward, there's a lot going to be a lot of attention in the news this year uh, in the United States on slavery because it's the 400th anniversary of the first enslaved peoples that were brought to this continent from Africa. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. so it's something that's part of the national conversation, and it's an important one to have because we're still dealing with the implications and the effects of of the 400 years uh, of, yeah. of uh, enslaving people from Africa. So uh, it's going to be on people's minds and uh, in in the media and all that. So it's, yeah, so, so 
you, there's some work you may have to do in this passage to explain some of the differences between American chattel slavery, meaning Africans in America could be treated as livestock and were not seen as human, uh, mm-hmm. versus in the Roman Empire, Greco-Roman Empire, uh, Greco-Roman world, and in the Roman Empire where slavery could it was not based on ethnicity. Uh, it could be for a limited time. It was very common for slaves to be a slave for a time and then be free. Um, so it certainly wasn't good. It wasn't just. It wasn't right. But there were some mm-hmm. differences. Um, so, you know, I- even if you don't go into all that in your sermon, you should be prepared to answer any people that have uh, right objections and questions about that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. were you going to say something about that, Jake, before we get into the passage and the story? No, I wasn't. I think you said it all. It's um, it's 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 great. Okay. So thanks. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to sort of what's going on, there's a there's a backstory here that um, uh, you can sort of piece together if you read read the whole book and kind of uh, pull out the narrative that seems to be generating this. Because this is a letter. We're getting a letter from Paul yeah. to Philemon, who's a guy in Colossae. Um, there's a church that meets in Philemon's house. So Philemon is a mm-hmm. house church leader um, and uh, has became a Christian through Paul's ministry in Colossae. Um, and what is, uh, what's going on is that Philemon must have been a man of means. He had this slave named Onesimus. Onesimus actually mm-hmm. means useful, um, mm-hmm. which is important to know because there's kind of a, a, a pun on that later um, when Paul says he has become useful to both you and me in verse 11. But so Onesimus seems to have been accused of theft, which is why um, in verse 18, Paul says, if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I will cover whatever damage there is. Um, and so whether he charged, whether he did steal or not, he was apparently accused of theft and seems to have run away. And when he ran away, ended up wherever Paul was in imprisonment and mm-hmm. became a Christian through Paul's ministry. So now Onesimus is a Christian, He's run away from his uh, uh, master, Philemon, and now Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon with this letter in his hand. So, it's sort of this amazing picture. Mm -hmm. Your slave has run away from your household um, and shows back on your doorstep uh, with a letter from Paul the Apostle. And this letter Mm -hmm. is going to say something pretty amazing, which is to say, uh, hey, let's be friends. Why can't we be friends? And, uh, and well, and and it begins with, I mean, and it opens up, and I think that this is, this carries a lot of pastoral implications in how Paul treats his congregation, including those who are overseeing house churches like Philemon. He begins by, like, opening it up like he does every letter almost. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, yep. a.k.a. you've been given something that you don't deserve, and you have a clear conscience. Yep. And then he says, he says, he imputes to Philemon here, when I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because what? I hear of your love for all the saints who is now this guy coming to your, your slave who's coming to, to your house with a letter from me and your faith toward the Lord. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all that the good we may do for Christ. I mean, specifically probably for this man who's coming your way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's talking about the, the joy and the encouragement he's received because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. So he is imputing. He's not saying, hey, Philemon, let me tell you what to do right now, what's right. Right. He says... He begins by... De- 
declaring something over Philemon and who Philemon is in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and he says, I could command you to do your duty. So it's interesting. Yeah. Paul it seems to be implying here that the duty of Philemon as a Christian is to A, not charge Philemon with any crime, and B, mm -hmm. to no longer keep him as a slave. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not right for a Christian to own a person. And so he says, yeah. I could very much command. And it's it's interesting, too, that prior to this, Paul likely would have known that Philemon had this slave, Onesimus. And so it's an interesting process of how, how God is going to reveal to Philemon this area that needs some sanctification in his own life, that Philemon seems mm. to be okay on some level with having a slave. So now Paul is going to say, there's something going on here, uh, Philemon. It is your duty to... Uh, let go of any possible charges against this uh, person and also to free him. But he says, Christians are not people of the law. We're not people of mm. duty. We don't do things because we have to. We are people who do things on the basis of love, Paul says. And now because you are yeah. someone who's been forgiven and is loved by God in Christ Jesus and Onesimus mm. is the same, I can send him back to you trusting that the love of Christ will prevail and... Um, he will be in service to you, not anymore as a slave, but now, as he says in verse 16, as a beloved brother. Yeah, and that's really, and, uh, and, and Paul talks about this, you know, right here, that it doesn't come from a place of force. You know, force deeds are not good deeds, no matter how nice they may be. Um, this, is, this is something voluntary. This is, should be fruit, Paul is saying. Paul is saying, like, and the gen, the, Paul articulates the genuineness of, uh, of uh, Onesimus' conversion by saying, I would have kept him around to help me. Yeah. You know, um, um, because that would have been a free service. But I'm sending him back to you so that you can voluntarily free him. And what's being illustrated here is the, the concept of, that we've prayed in our colleague, the concept of mercy the concept of trusting God with all of our hearts, you know, um, and, uh, and, and, and this idea of now, this guy is your brother. Your relationship has changed. He's no longer slave, you know, just like you're no longer slave before God. He is brother before God, just like he should now be your brother. And so, and, and Paul is confident that Philemon is going to do the right thing. Which, and interestingly, you know, if you look at American history, uh, this slavery was made illegal and enslaved peoples were freed, but it didn't really change any hearts, sadly. Mm. And the people who were in power mm. uh, did not see now emancipated uh, former enslaved peoples as their brothers and sisters. And so it perpetuated a system uh, for another you know, <laughs> century. Um, from the Emancipation yeah. Proclamation in 1864-65 to then, you know, exactly 100 years later is uh, the Civil Rights Act in 1863 and the Voting Rights Act in, in 1964. Yeah. And even that, though, and once again, proof that the law doesn't change hearts. I mean, you know, voter suppression rights are at an all-time high in this country. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the gerrymandering of districts to suppress people from voting. Um, um, believe me, uh, this um, release of slaves in this country was never done voluntarily. And I think it's pretty clear um, that uh, still there's, a, there's deep heart work that needs to go on in our nation in this regard. Heart work that only the gospel can provide um, when sins are forgiven. And, um, and we really need to, um, as a nation, count the 
count the cost um, of what that's going to take. Yeah, and amazingly here, the story has an incredible ending. In church tradition, Onesimus is reconciled mm. with uh, his former master, Philemon, and ends up becoming the second bishop of Ephesus. So, Ephesus, yeah. And the first bishop being St. Timothy, one of the uh, 12 mm. apostles. Or um, Timothy, pa I mean, Paul's friend Timothy. And um, Yeah, who was half-breed. He was a half-breed. Yeah. So here you have a half-breed, the first bishop, and then the second bishop is a former slave. Yep. Um, and this is God, um, the potter, making something beautiful out of clay. Yeah, and Onesimus um, ends up being martyred uh, and is a saint in the church. And it's just, a, it's just an incredible incredible story um, yeah. of, and, and actually in Colossians, the book Colossians, there's a reference to uh, Onesimus uh, there. So it's just, it, this is something that would have been unheard of in the world, in the Roman world before Christianity. And it's not, and this change doesn't happen because somebody mandated that it happened. It's because the love of Christ has started changing people's hearts um, mm. uh, in, a, in, in an unbelievable way. Uh, so mm. this is so countercultural, just like it, uh, this kind of thing would be counterculture today in a place where slavery uh, happens, and um, it's the heart change that is needed. So uh, that's what we got on this whole book of the Bible, Philemon, and uh, and now we turn to Luke 14 as we continue through Ooh. that gospel, and the passage here is about um, uh, hating hating people. people, hate your mom and dad. <laughs> Uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince were right. Parents yeah. don't understand. Understand. And uh, but, uh, you gotta fight but for your neither, right neither does wife and children, brothers and sisters. Nobody. Yeah. Um, you know, um, this is this is a this is a tough passage, and you know, um, you know, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. Is one of the most poorly handled verses in the entire Bible. You know, uh, because so often it's taught like, you know, the cross is just this little pesky thing that's bothering you, you know what I mean? And so just kind of bear it. And you completely miss uh, when when the cross here is preached as, you know, your pesky little uh, annoyance or um, besetting habit. Mm. Um, when it's preached like that, um, the power is completely lost from this passage. Um, what Jesus is saying, when he says, take up your cross, he is, remember, he's talking about an instrument of death mm. and uh, a cruel instrument of death. And everybody's hearing this and they're on their way to Jerusalem. He set his face to Jerusalem and he is saying, take up your cross. And so, you know, and I mean, this is serious, serious business. And if you want to bring the law, because you got to bring the law and the gospel, ask how many people showed up with their crosses to church today. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the thing that is going to kill you. Mm. Um, this is what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, yeah, and so, and I'd say, and and that relates that also. Sorry to sorry to jump in again, but I this also you. relates to that because, thank you. Um, but father, mother, wife, children, brother, sister. This was your entire network of support. Mm. You know, in the Middle East, in the in the ancient Near East, this was your entire network of support. And so, what Jesus is saying here is, hate that. That's the cost. Hate that your entire network of support, apart from me, and. Uh, you got to drag your cross, so your instrument of death. So not only are you going to be left on a rope without a net, we're going to throw the instrument of death upon you. And uh, that's actually how you can be my disciple. Woo! Mm. Sign me up, just as I am yeah. with that one plea. Here I come down the aisle. 
Who was the Spanish philosopher that said that once we, the moment we're born, we're leaning towards death? Um, I mean, that is, uh, Jesus is just not only saying you're leaning towards death, but he's pushing us towards it. Yeah, off the and, edge of the uh, cliff. And this is heavy. Yeah, so the, the thing about Christianity is it's an invitation to die. And we've talked about this over the, uh, you know, last week, the idea of living for yourself versus trusting in God's mercy and righteousness and grace given to you as opposed to, I'm going to go out there and do it myself. So to carry the cross mm -hmm. means to die. It's the death of self. It's the death of ego. It's the death of your resume. It's the death of your performance. It's the death of your so-called righteousness. It's the death of all that sort of stuff. And instead of having any of that to lean on, all you have is Christ. Um, and so, which is hugely problematic for most of us. We want people to get justice, not forgiveness. We want to be praised for our good deeds. Um, uh, we want to hide our bad deeds. Mm. You, we just, and we want to be out there for ourselves, looking out for number one. And Jesus is saying, I am turning that all over in such a radical way. The invitation to a true life is to die and to follow me. And so, I just want you to know that being a Christian is going to be the hardest thing you ever do, in a sense, because it will mean you have to forgive the people you don't like. You have to spend time with people that you think are less important and less valuable than you. You're going to have to um, be honest about the fact that you are so far from perfect. You know, I just heard recently about a preacher. <laughs> I don't know if I told you this, Jake. A preacher at another church uh, who heard from someone in his congregation that his problem was that he didn't call people out enough on their sin. Um, <laughs> and they were saying that this person from the pulpit should do more of that. And uh, the person who asked this preacher to do more calling out of sin obviously failed to realize their own sinfulness. Because once you start mm. asking that to be called out, pretty soon you're going to find yourself in the crosshairs. And so to die to yourself means that you're going to have to be honest about your own sinfulness as a instead mm. of pointing it out in others. What you have to do is be honest about your own sin and forgive the sin that you see in other people. And that That's is right. nobody wants. So Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, great, but just know it means death to your ego. And, mm -hmm. and um, you're going to have to forgive some things that are hard to forgive. You're going to have to uh, love people that are hard to love. And so it's like building a tower. It's like going to, to use this example, yeah. going to war. That's, you have to think about what this is going to involve. Yeah, and that's what he's doing here. He's, he's because he's doing something, he's doing an illustration that we all can relate to. He's asking us to consider these things economically. You know, um, building a tower. Do you got all of the stuff that it takes to follow, to build the tower? You know, no, king go to war. Do you have all that you have to win the war? You know, asking uh, the girl of your dreams out. Do you have the guts and are you confident she's going to say yes? Thinking about these things economically, this is what Jesus is saying here. And when you really put it in, in, um, uh, when you really begin to add this stuff economically up, you begin to say, no, I'm not going to follow you, Jesus. <laughs> it is way too hard. Uh, there is no way in hell I will choose you, Jesus, ever, ever, ever. And when you can begin to like get at this, the law at its highest pitch, because that's where this needs to go, then you begin to understand the sweetness of the gospel. Mm. You will never choose Jesus. And the good news of the gospel, though, is that he chooses you. And he's the one who takes up his cross and has gone all the way, counted the cross because he is, not because you're worth it, but because he is merciful and he's good. 
and he loves you more than you love yourself and your own trying to save your own hide from the wrath that is to come. And this is the powerful thing, is that Jesus chooses you. And this becomes the wonderful thing that, like, when we realize that we've been chosen, like, relationships are reconciled. Um, uh, we begin to realize that we're clay in the potter's hand. And, uh, and uh, we um, actually might, just for a brief second truly count the cost and say yes. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Jesus, it says at the beginning of this passage, large crowds are traveling with him. And so, and whether that's they were there to get the, you know, the free miraculous bread or they were there to get more healings, like he's turning to a large group of people and saying, I don't know if you guys really realize what you've signed up for here. Um, And uh, uh, Christianity is not self-improvement. It's not your best life now. It's not some secret to power and prestige. It is Mm. death to self. And, um, and you, and you know, the myth would be to think that there's some other path you can choose actually. Mm, Like the thing is about life is it kills everybody. Um, Yeah. We're all dying. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody is going to have a perfect relationship with father, mother, wife, and children. Nobody is going to find peace and security in all their possessions. Um, nobody has enough money to build the tower. So you can either be out there on your own twisting in the wind, or you can, get with the program, realize what's really true about the world and who Jesus is and the love of God for you in Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in you. So it's, it's, a, it's a major cold glass of water in the face, um, mm. but I think Jesus is trying to wake people up to what reality is here, um, that you know, uh, life is death, uh, is moving towards death, and so we come to Christ to follow him, to die to ourselves so that we can you know, you got to keep in mind resurrection. You also have to keep in mind here how Jesus treats his own disciples who who suck at being disciples. Mm. You know, his disciples don't want to pick up their cross. Peter and, and all of them deny him. And yet he still goes to his cross for them on our behalf. Yeah. And it's important to remember he chose them. You know, not a single one of them chose him. He chose them and he chooses you. And uh, that, like, I mean, that is that is hopeful for me as I face my own death. And uh, that's helpful to everybody as they die from cancer, as they die to a marriage, as they die to like a relationship with a child, as they die to all of these things, because nobody chooses a cross, it's going to be flung on your back. And, uh, and as you approach death, because there's no choice in that either, you know, you can try and live your best life now all you want, but it's gonna, life sucks sometimes. Yeah. And so the, the hope and the gospel and what brings comfort is, is that you have a loving God in Jesus Christ who's chosen you. And at your baptism, he marked you with the Holy Spirit as his own forever. And uh, that promise is good. That word is good to you. It's sealed in his blood. Yep. And this is, this is you know, if you need a, someone to talk about this or an illustration, David Brooks talks about this all the time. Like, you know, his book, The Two Mountains, where you, mm-hmm. you know, the first one is you on your own project of self and accomplishment and achievement. And you get to that and you find out it's empty. And then the, the second half, half of your life is is realizing that you found it something other than you. So th- this this is... This is what Jesus invites us to. And it's, as the prayer book, uh, one of the colleagues says, um, in Christ we find that the way of the cross is the way of life. Um, there's there's no, it's not like the way of not the cross mm. is going to be more mm. fun or something. Like, that's the thing people got to realize. Yes, it's hard to carry yeah. a cross and follow Jesus and die. But if you don't do it with him, you will die just alone. So, and on that note... <laughs> 
alone. (laughs) (laughs) You are not alone. Merry Christmas. Okay. Jesus loves you. uh, And and Jesus carries the cross Uh, for you that you cannot carry. I am the potter. So anyway. um, I think we better stop. We'll, yeah, we'll stop. You can afford it and it's given to you freely. So lots of love, everybody. Yep. And remember, when it gets bleak, it's fall now. So have your pumpkin spice latte. It's not actually real food. Thank you. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. And we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.